Blog Talk Radio. entrance in this. So, again, let's take two. First day, new tongue. Hold on. Trying to move some studio material here for a second. But, yes, this is the Comeback Wrestling Show. I am John, your host. Be with you till 11 o'clock tonight. If you want to join us, you certainly can. 646-668-2372. That's 646-668-2372. My co-host crew should be with us momentarily, but while we wait for him... I guess we'll start off now with, with because um, I know the Rollins stuff, because if you haven't been keeping up, Rollins and New Japan Pro Wrestling star Will Ospreay got into a bit of a Twitter feud over the weekend. So we'll get into that when he when Cruz joins us. But I guess we'll start off with uh, WWE and start off with a little bit of stomping grounds. So Sunday we saw stomping grounds, pay-per-view that, Going into it, I wasn't expecting much, but it turned out to be better than I thought. And speaking of the aforementioned Cruz, I'll bring him on right now. If this will look. Cruz, how you doing? Hey, buddy, I'm doing great. Having a great week. Uh, my cup runneth over. So, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Looking forward I'm to talking a lot, a lot of wrestling. I'm going to tell you right, right now. I'm fucking triggered. Get ready for is an old why, man bitch. Is that why when I sent you the outline on over the weekend, and you basically looked at me like, uh-uh, we're starting off with this? Is this the the aforementioned rant that you were talking about? Oh, fuck yes. Or is your motherfucking idiot. By this fucking cocksucking idiot, Seth Rollins. So we're going to start it off just like that, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a PG show. This is going to get downright ignorant, stupid. I'm going to get fucking crazy with this right here, right now. There's one thing I would understand that, you know, any champion from any promotion is going to, you know, play up their promotion. I, I, I get that. I get that. Okay. It's another thing when you start attacking fans. Okay. When you are a performer. You shake and move and, and, and dance, dance, dance and perform and, and roll around for our entertainment, not the other fucking way around, guys. Okay, so this fucking fool here, man, th- th- my problem with him is straight up the disrespect towards the fan, and that's where we're going to go to. So he comes down and says this bullshit that uh, the WWE is, and I, and I want to read it specifically. I want to read it from his Twitter, because he doesn't have me blocked yet. But, you know, I'm pretty sure that's coming. That may change after the show. I really don't give a fuck about what, what, what happens. The best pro wrestling in the world, the best pro wrestling in the, on the planet, 
period. This is what he tweets before uh, performing in front of a half-full stadium in Tacoma, Washington. Half-full, six to 7,000 people. Not even the same numbers that um, AEW got at Double or Nothing, uh, New Japan, Ring of Honor got in Madison Square Garden. Okay? So that's where we're coming from. That, that's where he's coming from, okay? Pay-per-view finishes. He's, he gets back on Twitter. I don't know why this man even decided to get on Twitter and, and talk smack. But he's doubling down. The best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat? Yeah, we saw it. We saw Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, and Akira Tozawa outperform you. Outperform Seth Rollins. Okay? And one of the nice things about 205 Live. Since episode one, that entire brand has been about in-ring wrestling. No one is disputing that. No one is disputing Seth Rollins', Seth Rollins in, in-ring skill set. No one is saying that. But the show, the entirety of the show is garbage. It is bullshit. It is fucking boring, repetitive. You have got stupid shit on fucking Monday Night Raw where two wrestlers are arm wrestling. Two wrestlers are pulling a fucking rope, a tug of war. Rope, $350 for front row seats to see that bullshit. But he's going to double down the best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat? And that's just one night, one match amongst the many. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do as often as I do it. You can't. Okay, there's Kasushika Okada, there's uh, Tanahashi, there's Naito, there's uh, Kenny Omega, there's Will Ospreay. That's just to name a few off the top of my head. Oh, there's Chris Jericho who main events everywhere and generates buzz everywhere the fuck he goes. You can't do that, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins can't do that. I can name you five fucking people in the WWE right now who got more buzz than Seth Rollins. I'll name you two who are who are barely on TV? Bray Wyatt, are true. Tell me that these two aren't aren't more over than Seth Rollins right now. No, You're they right are champion. Does does the Universal Title picture even feel like a main event to you anymore? Does it have that big prize fight feel to it anymore? No, but I mean, you and I have had this discussion in the past. I don't put it on him to why that belt has no credibility. I put it on the fact of what Lesnar has done to it, but just go on. I see, I see what you're saying. By the same token, take the belt off of him, put it on Brock Lesnar, and all of a sudden it becomes a big prize fight. A big deal. All of a sudden, it's, it's all over the internet, all over. MMA groups are going to talk about it. People who are casuals are going to talk about it because they know him. They know John Cena. Oh, by the way, they know AJ Styles more than they know Seth Rollins. They certainly know Roman Reigns. You can put that belt on The Undertaker and it feels like a big fight. Tell me that I'm wrong right now. You tell me that with all his flippy shit and skill set and all that bullshit that he talks and and, and the watered-down robotic programmed promos that he puts on, that this guy is a better champion right now than Kofi Kingston. You tell me yeah. that. I agree what, with everything you're saying. Is he a better saying, champion I think, than Adam Cole? I think a lot of it. Yeah. But I think a lot of it comes down to the way the guy is booked. Because think about it for a second. With Cena not being on TV that often, 
Who's the face mm-hmm. of this company? Who's the face of this company? Right now. It's still Roman Reigns. Yeah, but they don't... But the problem is, because of what happened with Reigns coming out of the Rumble in 2015, when he got basically shoved down everybody's throats, everybody wants him to become to become basically what his cousin did. Oh, you know, 20 years ago, who was... Oh, yeah, by the way, The Rock. So I don't see him being... I think the way it's being booked right now... Rollins is kind of looked at as being the face of this company. I, I disagree with that. I, I would easily put Roman, Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, RKO, Kofi Kingston ahead of him right now. His main event was so boring, there were AEW chants going on during Stomping Grounds. In a main oh, event. Nice. Right. How disgusting is that? There are no WWE chants going on when Jericho was taking on Kenny Omega. When no. Okada and Tanahashi are, or Okada and Jay White are going at it in New Japan, there are no WWE chants going on. But in their matches, there's AW chants because their fans are disgusted. This is this is not even people like me who don't even buy tickets to WWE. We we don't even fuck with that. Okay, their own fans are fucking rejecting their product that they put on. So it's not Vince McMahon who's in the ring, my man. That's Seth Rollins. That's Baron Corbin. And between those two, the ring general, the one who's calling the shots, is Seth Rollins. Well, so yeah, I think if the, the match is boring, it's because he makes it boring. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I still think a lot of it comes down to how they're booked. He's booked to win. He's won. He's the I, I don't disagree with you, but I think the issue is also with him. He's booked that he's booked now as being the face of this company, and he's so, booked now as well. You know, he can he he defeated Brock Lesnar, but yet you have guys who are not even get a who are not even get a sniff of the main event scene. Who I think if they put in a ricochet into the main event scene. Go down the list, and Aleister Black, any of these guys who, you know, get a 30-second vignette on SmackDown or on Raw, to me, I think I, I think the problem is, I think it's the way this whole booking thing with him is going. But I get your point, though, no, that... The thing is that no one expects the universal, a, a top champion in the WWE to bad talk their own company. Nobody expects this guy to go on TV and, 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 uh, on Twitter and to say anything that John Moxley said or anything like that. Okay, but here you have this guy who knows what his best friend is, and and he he knows how many other members of that roster want to leave because of the shit booking, the shit creative, the shit show that it is. He's cognizant of that, okay? but he wants to play the little. Uh, what company man over here? So hey, you put it out there on Twitter, you put it out there in the world, you're gonna take the criticism for it. Okay, so Will Osprey and, and Will Osprey re- replies to him like, you know, hey, I'm alive. You know what I'm saying? Will Osprey has had a better year in 2019 than anybody in the WWE. 
Becky Lynch, Ronda, oh, oh, you can put the whole shebang, anyone on that roster against what Will Ospreay has done this year alone, okay, with the best of the Super Juniors and all that fantastic wrestling, every match is hot. Every one of his matches was hot. Wins that tournament, immediately wins the junior title over in, in Japan. Hot match, okay? Comes out of that, goes right into another freaking pay-per-view. And now going into another freaking tournament, you tell me who, who's putting on the better wrestling. You tell me which of these promotions is consistently putting on the best in-ring wrestling, pro wrestling. And then the other thing is the WWE doesn't even consider themselves pro wrestling. They're sports entertainment. And my biggest issue with Seth Rollins, where I lost all fucking respect for him, it was one thing for me to say, okay, he went on radio to throw Brock Lesnar under the bus, how Brock doesn't care, he's a part-timer, he's never around, he's our champion, this, that, the other. We, we, we can't sell tickets because he's not around, boo-fucking-who, motherfucker, instead of worrying about what the fuck you can do to put your, make your status equivalent to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar doesn't need to come down to your level. Okay, so he threw Brock Lesnar, his colleague, under the bus, Back then, and I dismissed it as a one-off. Like I could, I can understand it. Maybe he just messed up. He just kind of, uh, I don't know, was out of his mind. Whatever, whatever. Now he's doing it to one of his so-called best friends. Now he's talking about John Moxley. Oh well, this guy should have been more grateful. Did you not? Did he not fucking hear the Jericho podcast? John Moxley had nothing but appreciation for his time in the WWE. There's a pattern of this guy throwing his colleagues under the bus. And he is a shithead. He is a fucking complete conniving snake, man. I'm telling you right now. I'm online. I'm asking people, show me, show me pictures of this guy doing a, uh, a make-a-wish, visiting kids in a hospital. Because you know what? A lot of other wrestlers do that. Show me about this guy. Because I'm telling you, he's a fucking snake in the grass, man. Well, didn't he, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he, um, was it through WWE, I saw it on, uh, before they had their Raw last week, I think it was, or on Monday, that he did some sort of make-a-wish for a kid in Los Angeles, I think. Did he? I think I saw that at some point. But that, but I get your point, though, it's just one that he's done that's been recorded. How many times have we seen guys like Cena... And I know everybody says, oh, well, you know, you, you can't throw Cena in there. Yeah, problem is Cena has done, like, close to 600 already. Or in that ballpark of, like, 600. But I, I get what you're saying, but you also, gotta, you also gotta remember, though. And again, I'm not defending Rollins here on this. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to defend Rollins. I'm not. But I think the thing is also, we have to understand, Rollins didn't grow up in the WWE system. Rollins is a product of the old independent scene. Because I, I really am a firm believer now that the independent scene has had two different lives. The life beforehand when you had guys like Rollins and Reigns and Moxley and the independents. The independent scene now is ten times different. But I think that's the big thing also that we have to look at. But I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at his tweets and, and I'm taking a little bit slower to respond to you right now because I'm sort of reading it. 
And Jamal Yassin Eagle tells him, hey, Seth, I love you, but seriously, dude, dial it down a notch. Seth responds with, nah, dog, let me dial it up. I sat back and watched the idiots with no clue. So, us. That's who he's implying there. The idiots with no clue talk poorly about the place I dedicated my life to every hour of every day. The level I perform on, level I perform at on constant is untouchable. His English is all fucked up there. Time to let him know. Okay. He's implying the idiots with no clue talk poorly about the place I... He's talking about us, the ones who criticize WWE, as if we're brainless idiots, stupid motherfuckers without critical thinking skills who cannot judge a show by what we see, by what we're hearing, by comparison to what we experienced back in the 80s, 90s, oh, and early 2000s with people who were far better than him, with a young Ric Flair, with a HBK, with an Eddie Guerrero, with people who could out-wrestle him and who were truly fucking entertaining from top to bottom, okay? And you have 21,000 comments on there. He's, he's got 21,000 comments. Most of them negative, attacking him, attacking, attacking, attacking him. So much so that his girlfriend has to come on, on Twitter and she, tags, uh, she tags the WWE Universe and him, Rollins, Please stop, lads, because he's getting his ass handed to him. He should have practiced restraint. He should have kept his motherfucking mouth shut. Went about his business, done his thing, whatever. Feel feel whatever you need to do. But because he went and attacked us, now we're attacking him. And you know what, man? He's losing fans left and right. Now, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I'm no longer a fan of his. I, 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 I trust my gut instinct. I know people fucking 40 fucking something years old. I've been around for a while. He is a snake in the grass. He is an ungrateful fucking pompous fucking prince. Okay? He does not appreciate fans. He's just there. We are there to, to hoist him up. That's the way that he sees it. So for me, I'm telling you right now, the moment that he gets hurt, I'm going to be fucking talking shit to him online. The moment that he loses that belt, the moment that he's taken down a notch from his fucking big headedness, I'm gonna be laughing my fucking ass off. How the mighty fall down, goddammit. You know, seen it before, I'm gonna see it again many, many times in my life. And when it happens to him, I'm gonna say, remember those fucking tweets, idiot? That's what you get. Yeah, I believe me, I don't disagree with you. And I and you made you made a lot of valid points and I think it's going to be interesting to see what what his what what's going to happen to him character wise and him not even just trust him saying character wise once he does drop the belt. But let me ask you this one now: He drops the belt. Do you want him to drop it to a Brock Lesnar, or do you want him to drop it to somebody who's on the active roster who can bring back credibility? Because you know damn well he drops it to Lesnar. You know, people in the IWC are going to start bitching and complaining. Oh, Lesnar so, is, is holding the belt hostage. So which one would you rather see happen? So I, I wholeheartedly think that I, I've heard rumblings about some Fox News not being happy with WWE numbers, especially this last week. And they're, they're going to meet up with the McMahon. 
I, I definitely think Brock Lesnar is <laughs> going to become the WWE champion uh, as SmackDown moves to Fox in October. That might happen later. I, I don't know. I, I don't see him winning the red belt again. Um, so what does that mean? Who who would I see? I, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I, I don't think, what is it, the combination of Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans in this mixed tag match? I don't think they're going to win. I, I think they're going to continue rolling with, with the fan base that is supporting Rollins and Becky Lynch through SummerSlam. Uh, who would I pick? Well, God damn it. There, there's someone who who is the hottest thing on Monday Night Raw. Is it not Bray Wyatt? You bring back Bray, Bray Wyatt and you book him to win and win and win and win and win and win all the way to the championship. That's how so I would this scene. I, I could see that happen. But I think, and we'll get into Bray Wyatt in a little bit, but I think they have other plans for Bray. But okay. I, get, I get what you're saying, but since we're talking stopping grounds, let me quickly just get your thoughts on the overall pay-per-view itself. Let me, so if we're going to do that, if we're going to talk stopping grounds, let, yeah, just me bring up, let me bring up my little contest thing, my little contest page, and look over some of the... Uh, Responses and oh, not that one, not Fighter Fest, uh, Stomping Grounds. We do have a contest for Fighter Fest, so um, okay. So I had most people uh, picking Tony Meeks for the uh, cruiserweight match. So do you want to you want to talk match by match, or you want to just? glance over the entire thing and get our We talk. could talk what, match what by match. Want? We could do match by match. Just okay. I just don't want to spend much time because I still want to get to the other two pay-per-views that I think are going to be much better that are this weekend, but we can go match by match. Okay, okay so so let's do it this way. I'll just give you the abbreviated version. I just thought that uh, the first half of this pay-per-view surprised me by how good it was. The second half was just the typical... WWE garbage that I, I've seen for the last five years. I was very impressed with everything up till about half, I don't know, up till the Roman match, you know, which was, had elements of it being good too. But I, I would say that everything before that was surprisingly done well. And starting from the Cruiserweight, the 205 Live match was outstanding. I was sitting here just like when my jaw almost to the ground. Oh, my God. Akira Tosawa, Gulak just going all out, and Nice going all out. That was fun. That was fun to watch, and then I just saw tonight the, the 205 Live show where I had a rematch between Tosawa and Nice, and they got a lot of time on TV. They put on another good match. 205 is doing good, man. I don't know why I mean, WWE fans don't embrace this a little bit more. One thing I mean that was a it was a good match. I will definitely say that maybe maybe one of the better matches tonight. But one thing I will never understand when it comes to this company, other than you know their booking decisions and everything, is why does it seem like every card, even WrestleMania, because we started WrestleMania this year, the cruiserweights who usually put on the best match of the night, why are they always 
regu- regulated to the pre-show? Has anybody ever asked that question? I, I can answer this as a content creator because we look at the data, right? And I create contests. I, I would love to create contests for any everything other than WWE, but the data shows me that people don't care about, you know, New Japan stuff, pay-per-views or, or Impact pay-per-view, Ring of Honor, what they care about, or at least the majority of people watch, is WWE. Main roster, WWE, Raw, SmackDown. Um, I've said this before from episode one of 205 Live, and you can even go back further to the Cruiserweight Classic. This has been nothing but outstanding wrestling, entertaining, funny, good feel good wrestling. I mean, you watch one show and you're like washed of everything Monday Night Raw. It's that good. But the majority yeah. of w- WWE Universe just does not care for it. And I, I don't know how to explain that, you know? No, I, I get it. I just, to me, it's like I just never understand why you always have the best guys always get thrown on when, you know, the arena's half empty still. But we then had, I just want to go quickly through it, uh, Becky Lynch took on Lacey Evans for the Royal Women's title. My only thing with this one is this. Lacey Evans, to me, is still too green in the ring. And it shows. She's, oh, it showed big time. To me, she tapped out at Money in the Bank. Is the WWE becoming that lazy now? That you tap out in a title match, and somehow, some way, that gets you a rematch. Am I missing something here? The thing is, the girl can wrestle. If she's given, I don't know, given an opponent who's willing to work with her, or or in, in another scenario outside of the main roster title picture. She's obviously not ready for that. So that, that's pretty much clear. I don't, I don't see her becoming a champion. At this point, I don't see her becoming a champion anytime soon. Um, no. I definitely don't think she's ready for it. I think a few, I think another year or two in NXT would have done her a world of wonders. But here we are today, so I, I think she's going to be relegated down to, like, you know, the middle or, or the lower end of the women's division after this Becky Lynch match. Um, but is, is it Lacey's fault that this – because Becky does not seem like a big champion anymore. Is it Lacey's no. fault? Is it, it's got to be the booking, the presentation of this rivalry. Something is off. To me, it's to like... Me, it doesn't feel like a big deal anymore. Yeah. To me, I think when they brought her on to... The, when they brought Lacey onto the main roster, I'm like, okay, fine. I figured they would have had her start off with, like, a Naomi or somebody who is not main event but can at least get her some experience, get her some... And she can get some rub off. But mm-hmm. to turn around and bring her in and have her first feud be right for the title... I think that's done nothing but hurt Lacey in the end. Because, like you said, when the feud with Becky comes to an end, which will probably be SummerSlam, I could see all of a sudden she gets relegated, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, 
well, now on main event, Lacey Evans is taking on Dana Brooke. Or, you know, Lacey Evans is taking on Sarah Logan. So, I'm... Right. To me, I think putting her in this position right now was incredibly premature. I think give you should have given her... You should have had her at least work NXT. I would have said, even if you don't want to have her work NXT for another year, I would have at least had her work NXT up until the Rumble. At least. It, it's how do you fix this? How do you, how do you fix this thing with Becky? Because she she does not seem like a big deal anymore. I know that she gets pops and she gets uh, chance and you know the, the the kids and the idiots and the, the audience there they will cheer for her. But something is wrong here, and I think that the protagonist. If we're, if we're going to say that Becky Lynch is the protagonist, the story is only good as good as the antagonist. And I think how I would fix this, to be quite honest with you, if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm coming out of my pockets, I'm making promises on paper to Sasha Banks, and I'm getting her back into the fold. And in a very, very personal, very intense rivalry with Becky Lynch moving into SummerSlam. I, that's, that's how I would fix it. Oh, yeah, you could do that. But do you remember also when Becky first did this whole, you know, the man gimmick? Who did she, mm-hmm. who were people comparing her to a lot? Stone Cold, Stone Cold, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then all of a sudden, that faded away. I think what you do is, you. I don't think dropping the belt with her would make sense right now, being that there is no woman... I feel who's worthy enough to dethrone her, but I think the best way you do it is you have her go back to being the quote unquote the the Stone Cold Steve Austin of the women's division. I think that's the only way you can help her at this point. But uh, moving on now, we saw next match we saw was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on. Big E and Xavier Woods. Uh, personally, I like this match. You had two tag I teams. Yeah, you had two tag teams who have chemistry together. And I'll be honest, I won't be surprised if come November, not even November, come the fall, we're talking Owens and Zayn in the running for the SmackDown tag titles. It would not be surprising to me at this point. You want me to be honest with you? Since KO's return, he he's kind. Yeah, I know he had you know a rivalry with uh, Kofi, which was kind of laughable because KO refused to go to Saudi, which is the right thing to do, in my in my humble opinion. Um, a tag team between those two Canadians—it's it's just so natural. They're just just so good friends. The chemistry, as you said. They fit so well, and they can wrestle so well. You want to fix the tag team division? Look, you lost a bar because Seamus is probably going to be retired medically. Uh, here you go. Here's a gift. KO and Sammy, yeah. run with it. Some things yeah, just I, break themselves, you know? And especially, you also got to realize, you look at the tag team division right now on both brands. Who's the top mm-hmm. heel tag team right now? 
I, I couldn't even. I, I don't know. Owens and Zayn, in my me. opinion. Yeah. Like, like I said, some things just write themselves, and it's gifted to these people, so they need to run with it. Because I tell you what, the Gorillas of Destiny are dropping cursing promos and getting themselves over to New Japan. The Briscoes are doing the same in fucking Ring of Honor. LAX is doing that in, in uh, Impact. We don't even need to discuss AEW tag team division because it's phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you have factions down in Mexico. Come on, bro. Come on. Yeah. This, this. Yeah, I, I think we kind of talked a lot about the AEW tag team division last week. Thank you. <laughs> but then we had probably one of my biggest surprises of the night. Ricochet defeated, defeated Samoa Joe to become your new United States champion. Now, yes, that surprised me because I, I thought they would have at least extended the thing with Ricochet going into Extreme Rules. But here's where I'm a little confused. And JD from NY actually made a point on his show. You had Samoa Joe lose the United States Championship on, Mon- on Sunday night. Monday night at Raw, he attacks Kofi Kingston. Tuesday, he's not on TV. What, what the hell are they doing with Samoa Joe? That all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're going to have you win the U.S. title, use it, lose it to, what's his face, Rey Mysterio, to then take it back from him because he's going to be out with an injury, to then lose it to Ricochet, to then attacking Kofi with no reason. Oh, yeah, by, by the way, we have two weeks to go until Extreme Rules. It makes sense to me that the mid-card title is being used to put over the newer guy who's red hot. Samoa Joe did more for that title than the title did anything for him, right? So Mm -hmm. in this respect, that he's being promoted back to the main event scene, well, that's where he belongs, okay? Whether on Raw or SmackDown or or wherever the fuck. Quite frankly, Samoa Joe belongs way up there, either feuding with another top guy or fighting for belts. Um, You asked me before who should Seth Rollins lose to, he would have been a perfect fit for me. Samoa Joe would have been a perfect fit for me, but you got to build him up. You got to build him up over a story, a few little other matches, and have him win, 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 win. You don't lose, lose, lose. You lose your way into a title picture, but I guess in WWE you, you do. You know, and it's, I, it's I, illogical to us. I mean, what what happened? This man was in his office on Monday, had a dartboard in front of him with everybody's team, said, okay, I'm just going to throw a dart. Whoever it lands is the next challenger for Kofi. Throws it, okay, it lands on Samoa Joe. Good. Samoa Joe, you got to go out there and attack. I, I, to me, it makes no logical sense. I mean, you're, 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 this is beyond being facetious. This, this is stupidity at its best, where a story can be written for Samoa Joe. To, to, uh, is he really going to be the the WWE champion over Kofi. Is there any credibility of him beating Kofi Kingston? There isn't. There isn't none because he's been losing, you know, since he's had the United States Championship. So, oh, I, I would. The way that I would fix this again, I told you, there, there's no complexity to booking or, or creative, anything. I, I, I don't think so. 
book them to no. fucking win. That's it. They win. They win by disqualification. They win by this, win by that. They win their way into a championship, into the number one contender status and, and to a championship. I mean, so, the only thing I look at it with this is you have to, if you're a fan, you want to get emotionally invested in these matches. And looking at the Samoa Joe Kofi match that we're going to be getting in two weeks at Extreme Rules, how is anybody supposed to be emotionally invested in this when nobody knows the reason for this? So there's no build-up to this. You can't possibly do any good build-up in three weeks, not not with their standards. And, you know, their, the way that they conduct business, it just is what it is. So it goes back to that point that I said, that Samoa Joe belongs way up on the card. Uh, Ricochet is right where he should be, and there's plenty of good rivalries for him to have in, in that level with that title. Um, that'll be very, very good for us, I guess, you know, or for people who want to see him in the ring. I, I thought this was the right decision for me. I, this was the match. This one here was the one that I was looking forward to, and why I even bothered creating a a contest for this stomping grounds. And I looked at this match and I said, no, wait a minute. This one is going to be the one that steals the show. And it did. Yeah. So I'm happy with it. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Ricochet winning. I think what him winning was a nice thing to see because it opens up the door for an endless amount of uh, feuds with the belt. I'm just surprised with the aftermath of this, I think is what I'm trying to say. But let's keep yeah. it going now. For the SmackDown Tag favorite. Titles, what was it? That's your favorite. Yeah. This is, this uh, is your Smackdown. favorite. Well, I'm going to get to my my favorite in a bit because, well, the problem is I didn't really have any favorite. That was probably my favorite just because of the booking of it and everything. But because none of the other matches to me made a whole hell of a lot of sense, and I felt that a lot of them had really no build to it. Like we saw with the SmackDown Tag Titles, Daniel Bryan and Rowan took on Heavy Machinery. My biggest takeaway from this, even though Heavy Machinery lost, the WWE likes them for some reason because they're getting the rocket put on their backs. Because like we saw Tuesday night, they got put into that eight-man tag match with them in the New Day. You're, get, you're working with one of the top tag teams in the division. They must like, him for, they must like this team for some reason. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if you book Heavy Machinery the right way, Heavy Machinery could easily be one of the other teams contending for that SmackDown tag title come the end of this year, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. What, were your, what were your quick thoughts on that match? So I like the dynamics of this match because it was Daniel Bryan's hometown, so he, you know, he is a heel, but he became the baby face, and then Heavy Machinery are baby face, but they were the heels of this match, <laughs> you can tell. Uh, the match was excellent, but, bro, the X Factor was truly Daniel Bryan. The way that he was yeah. not only executing his... Okay, apparently Cruz's um, phone got dropped for some reason, but what basically, I guess what he was trying to say was that the dynamic with uh, Daniel Bryan really made the difference um, in that match. Moving on now, we saw Bailey take on Alexa Bliss, 
with Nikki Cross in her corner for the SmackDown Women's title. This one, I'm very curious to see how this one plays out on, for, for the long haul. Because I'm curious to see with this match, and when Screws comes back, I'm going to ask him this one. Could they be leading this match towards a possible double turn? But Cruz is back now. Cruz, you're back? Yes, sir. I, I got cut off here. I don't know what. We'll apologize. I don't know. I don't know. But I want to get your, your take quickly on the Bailey-Alexa Bliss match. Do you think they're leading towards a double turn? Uh, I, I think I could possibly see something with Nikki turning on Alexa. But Alexa come out of this champion. You know what? It, you just never know with that little girl. She is so pretty. She is so you know, management, upper management is so over on her, you know, all Google Gaga. You look at her once and, you know, who doesn't want to sleep with her? That that plays on, on the psyche of people who are making decisions. So what do you do here? But no, because I, I was thinking that maybe the double turn wouldn't be with Nikki Cross. That somehow the double the double turn would be between Alexa and Bailey. And here's why here's why I'm thinking of a possible heel turn for Bailey. Think about it. Her babyface run hasn't really gone that well in WWE. She held I know she was the Raw Women's Champion for for maybe like a cup of coffee and that was it. Her SmackDown run really hasn't gone that well. And I'm thinking maybe they go the same route with her that they did with Daniel Bryan. So elaborate on that. And exactly how would you do this? That that if you look at just the way the whole book, because, I mean, look at what happened in the lead-up to that feud. All of a sudden, you had, oh, boy. All right, hold on. I think this is Cruz now. Let me bring Cruz, you having fun there tonight? Yeah, yeah, it's me. So I'm, you know, between Skype and my phone. I think I sound better on Skype. All right. But I think the way you do it is this. Out of nowhere, almost similar to what happened with Brian when Brian turned heel on Styles. Is have Bailey basically go nuts to the point that she turns around and she goes, look, I've been trying to be, I, I like basically be like, look, I've learned in this industry that you can't always be nice to everybody. Like, play it up with that. But I think you kind of, you have to do something with her character because it's not working for her at this point. Because I think people are kind of – when she was in NXT, I will, I will say this much. She was completely 110% over. Everybody loved her character the whole nine yards. Her on the main roster it hasn't really panned off that well. Because people, I think, see right through it. But I think a heel turn – would rejuvenate her career, first of all, and would make the SmackDown women's title picture a little bit more interesting than what it is right now. I like your idea just because it would be something fresh and new and something we haven't seen yet from, from you know, this show. 
So I mean, I, mean, I, I actually like her idea. I, I would do something like this with her. I mean, I think about it. <laughs> you had yeah, but look at this way though. You had two other major baby faces in that company turn heel. Re- not recently, but within the last year, Daniel Bryan and Johnny Gargano, who were both the top baby faces of your company. And I don't care what people say. To me, Gargano turned heel. It it it, it was too inevitable that he was going to turn. That sometimes it may take a heel turn to save a career. I mean, we we saw what happened with, what's his face, with Bray Wyatt, and I read an interview that he did, and he turned around, he basically said this whole Firefly Funhouse thing has basically saved his career. So a tweak or two to a, a character, you got a much different ballgame here. And I think if you do that with somebody like Bailey, her name within the title picture doesn't seem to be that would not seem to be, in my opinion, that far out of the way. But I think it's go, needed. Get... I think it's fine. Yeah. So, so moving it? on to the next match. Let's move on to this. Uh, if, <laughs> if I'm correct here, by this point, I, I would say that the Bailey-Alexa match was kind of like the match that brought everything down several notches. Yes. But this Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre match, that was me throwing up right now. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck to say about this. Unacceptable is, is what comes to mind. Well, I have Two powerhouses. Go, go ahead. Go run with it. I don't understand this notion that because it's Roman Reigns, he always has to go over. I thought the way this would have been, the way you could have set this up perfectly is you could have had, you could have had Shane interfere like you did, had Drew, Gul- had Drew Gulak, had Drew McIntyre win, then the next night on Raw, I would have had Roman come out to open the show and go, look, and I would have had him looking at the camera, talking to Drew and to Shane and go, look, you guys need each other to beat me. So how about an Extreme Rules I think I'm both of you in a one-on-two handicap match. I think that would have made a lot better of sense because, let's be honest, this match that they're having extreme rules with, with McIntyre and, and Shane against Roman and Undertaker is another match to me that, that I'm scratching my head on to the point behind it. All you could end up doing, because let's be honest, all that's going to end up happening with this whole thing is McIntyre is going to essentially become a Samoa Joe in the sense that McIntyre's credibility will go down the tubes the longer he's, he's aligned with Shane. I think the way you Correct. see Drew out of this whole thing, you have Drew basically turn on Shane. Well, I, don't, I, I don't even know if you can even do that at this point because, you know, damn well WWE is not turning Shane babyface right away. I would have, the, I would have some sort of break-off between the two of them. And I would have Drew basically terrorize the entire roster to the point that, because like he's getting to the point that it's like, look, I came back to this company, I'm getting treated like crap, something has to change. Because I've said this on the show countless amount of times, I could see him being one of the people being put into the universal title picture. I thought it would have been by WrestleMania, but 
obviously something else is going on with that. To me, I think what's holding Drew McIntyre back is Shane McMahon. Because to me, Shane McMahon is, is somebody who does not need to be on TV for four, five, six segments of a freaking week. The guy is not the future of this company as an in-ring performer. He's one of the future owners. And I think, unfortunately, I think he's the reason why Drew McIntyre is in this position right now. The only high spot of this match was Air Roman. That that insane, over-the-top <laughs> dive yeah. that he did. Uh, for the folks who think that this guy can't wrestle, shut the fuck up. <laughs> the guy can't wrestle. He can wrestle very well. Both these gentlemen can, and they can put on a better match than what they gave us here. Uh, that that was what was disappointing about this. So uh, it's this is one of those poignant things with Drew McIntyre because he could have been such a big fucking champion by now, but you know he's not booked to win here. Nope. Just for the sake of the storyline, I would have had him win here, like you said. Yeah. A little bit of back and forth in this story would have been good, but it's too one-sided with Roman. I, I don't give a shit for it. I don't. I, it could end tomorrow for all I care. I know people so, within the IWC, and I just bring up one last point with this match. I know people within the IWC always bitch about 50-50 booking. Unfortunately, the way this feud has been going, 50-50 booking is what this feud needed. Yeah. And unfortunately, WWE... Uh, let's go quickly now to the Kofi Dolph match. My only high moment in this match really was the end when when uh, Kofi decided to go for a head dive out of the out, out of the door when it looked like that Dolph was going to win the belt. That to me was my only big moment from this whole match. What about you? That was it. The, the rest of this match was boring. It was just no excitement, unexpired, just just whatever. For, for a cage match. Unacceptable. So, yeah. I have nothing more to say than the ending was pretty cool from Kofi. You know, kudos. Yeah, you know, you're a champion for a reason. Adolf, you're a jobber. You're a very well-paid seven figures a year to do very little. Uh, good. Kudos for you, man. Continue putting okay. over other people. I'm going to equate this to a baseball player. I'm going to see, Cruz, if you know who I'm talking about here. Do you remember, uh, this may be like a couple of years ago, I think, the New York Mets had a player by the name of Jason Bay. Does that name ring a bell at all? Yeah, yeah, I know. He was the outfielder. Towards the end of his run with the Mets, they paid him a nice lump sum of money to sit on the bench. That, to me, yeah. is what the WWE is doing right now with Dolph. They're basically paying him enough money so he doesn't run off to AEW. And, you know, every so often they want to make sure, oh, oh, we have a thing for Dolph? Okay, good, let's bring him back. Even though we know he's not going to win. To me, he's that, – that's what I put him to, that Dolph Ziggler is the Jason Day of WWE. He is. He is. But I think he's also content with it, so – Kudos to him. I mean, yeah. You're going to get paid a lot to do very little. Fuck it. Do your thing, Huffler. But uh, yeah. as far as match buddy, now for a main event, a cold main event, this was some boring shit. This should have been on the pre-show and the 205 Live guys who are hungry, who give us excellent wrestling, should have been in that position. So that's what I think about this. But yeah, this well, wasn't the worst. 
boring, but they're not the worst match of the night. The next, the next no. match is what I consider the worst. Let's get to that match now. And I thought for starters, this match alone, the biggest interest I had in this match was who was going to be the special guest referee. And I was doing something on, oh crap, what, on behind the curtain. And I was in that group for a couple of minutes. And they have a, they have that BTC TV thing that they do. And the guy, Charles, actually had me on for a little bit towards the end of their thing. And he asked me, he said, who do I think is going to be the special guest referee? And I know everybody was saying, oh, it's going to be Lesnar, it's going to be Paul Hammond. I said, no. I said, they want to further the storyline between Lacey and Becky. Watch it be Lacey Evans. And lo and behold, that's who became the special guest referee. My biggest gripe with this match, and Cruz, if, if the beginning of the show almost an hour ago is any indication, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this match. My biggest gripe with this match was it felt very hokey. It felt very overbooked, so to speak. That it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's, it's like, okay, it's like Corbin went, got thrown through the table by Rollins, all of a sudden wasting their hand goes, okay, now it's a no count out. Now it's a no disqualification. And I'm like, okay, why don't we just have Corbin just pin him already at this point? And then once Lacey, once, uh, what's her face? Becky came out. I'm like, okay, we're getting a mixed tag team match at either Extreme Rules or... So I thought they would have waited until SummerSlam, in my, in my humble opinion for that. And extended this thing a little bit further and had the payoff be the mixed tag team match. But, you know, Cruz, what, what are your thoughts on this match? Well, you know... I have to say that Becky Lynch saved this bullshit. <laughs> this is what it was. I thought she saved it somewhat, you know, and it made it a little bit interesting and even things up. Um, the, the, the inconsistency of the match, I, look, man, all, all these extras are really not needed. Just put these two in the fucking ring and let them go at it. Whoever's the winner is the winner, and whatever we continue on with the story, that would have been more than more than what we got. Um, but the ending of it was so predictable. The fact, like how you said that, oh, tomorrow on Monday Night Raw, you better believe that Corbin and Lacey will attack Seth and Becky, and it happens. Just you know, it's it's you can foretell who, what's what's going to happen with this company, and this is just garbage. I I, I don't. I, I could care less for for that, you know. This, this is this is where this company should call itself the the W E E, the World Entertainment Entertainment Company, because they, they obviously don't give a shit about wrestling. And then for this fool, no. Seth Rollins to say that this this show in its entirety was average by any other any other promotion standard, this would be like a C show. Okay, for them, this was a sleeper hit because of the first half of the show. Because normally, their their garbage is, you know, bad beginning, middle, and end. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about this, man. I, this is... The first half was good. last half was just disappointing. And I'm glad it's over. And I, I'm, I hope I never see another stomping grounds, to be quite honest with you. They can, they can do this one-off and put it to rest. That's what I'm hoping. 
That's what I'm hoping they do. Let's move now because I want to get off the WWE stuff. I, one more quick thing with WWE. Did you hear the news today regarding Evolve? I am cognizant of what's going on with Evolve. Uh, it's going to be it's a, so. If, the news that I was hearing because I follow them on social media is Evolve 131 is going to be now renamed to Evolve 10th anniversary celebration or 10th anniversary yeah. show. Uh, in Philly, um, so there's a lot of people that came out of Evolve, you know. So three matches that I know of, Adam Cole versus Akira Tosawa for the NXT mm-hmm. Championship, Gulak versus Matt Riddle, uh, you know, that was an old Evolve rivalry, and Josh Briggs versus Anthony Green, singles match, you know, the future is now showcase match, so some of the guys down there. Plus, you bet your ass that Austin Theory would be featured and, and – Maybe other folks, I mean, for this one here, they're going to pull from NXT and 205 Live and Evolve, and they're going to they're try to compete with all of the wrestling. <laughs> it's not going to work. Well, well, speaking about that, did you, because this is the other thing I wanted to get to, and then we're going to get off of WWE for the rest of the show. Did you hear what Kenny Omega said when, once this news broke? regarding Evolve's 10th anniversary show being on the network the same day as Fight for the Fallen. Did you hear his comments? I read them, yes. For our listeners who haven't heard them or read them, I'll read them. I'll read it to you quickly. This is courtesy of Ryan Satin of the Pro Wrestling Sheet. Here is his tweet. It, you can't find it now because it was deleted, but this is where screenshots come into play. Here's his tweet. He said, if lining your pockets with blood money is okay, then what's wrong with trying to undermine a charity event, a charity show for victims of gun violence? I hear that healthy competition is supposed to be a good thing, and yet I can't help but feel like I'm going to be sick. He, that's what he tweeted. Do you blame him, really? I mean, this really did come out of nowhere that all of a sudden it's, well, they have Fight for the Fall, and all of a sudden WWE's like, okay, well, we're going to have our Evolve show. I mean, do you think this is WWE trying to be petty, or do you think this is just more of, them trying to get evolved on to to get more views. So evolve doesn't need evolve is one of the most dominant indie productions. Everyone who follows the indie knows who's evolved and knows how to get evolved on the WWN network. Uh, what it, it, it would not surprise me if the WWE has bought or, or is a major silent partner. Involved now, okay? Because quite frankly, they're a step right under NXT. They're they're feeding NXT. Matt Riddle, uh, Keith Lee came from Evolve. Uh, Drew Gulak came from Evolve. So Cedric Alexander, uh, a bunch of other fucking people there. So they're they're married up <laughs> with, with that. That being said. That being said, I, I personally think that this is the era of competition. They're shooting their shots as, as they should. Good. Kudos. AEW. This is what you wanted. You know, we, you stepping into this ring, that into this battle, that this is going to happen. Take it. Whoever, whoever puts on the best matches is going to win. I think the majority of us are going to be watching Fighter Fest because, quite yeah, frankly, you can watch the ball stuff. Whenever you want to, on demand on the WWE Network for nine ninety nine a month. 
Right, right. Michael Cole. Oh, yeah. That was the one thing I wanted to mention. Michael Cole talking about Roman Reigns. That's big dog power. That old <laughs> man is like the the 50-year-old guy who hangs out in like hip-hop bars and clubs for like 20-year-olds. He he is just so cringe. Oh, I can't fucking stand him. I'm going to be yeah, watching no. Fighter Fest, man. If for nothing else, all the proceeds from this are gonna go to charity for victims of gun violence. Uh, no, no, the evolved is gonna. First, yes, it's fight for the fallen. That's for the gun violence. Fighter Fest is, is the video game thing. Oh, the video game. Yeah, fight for the fallen. Not till the middle of July. Yeah, well, fight for the fallen, right? Fighter yeah, Fest we're is about. Fight for the fallen. I got it. I got it wrong. I'm just looking at a advertisement here for Fighter Fest. But uh, and thanks for correcting me. So, so fight for the fallen. You know, all their proceeds are gonna go to victims of gun violence. The Evolve show is gonna lace more of Vince McMahon's pockets. Uh, it's easy for me to decide which one I'm gonna support. Yeah. But, but you still got those. I, people. I, shit-eating hey, so flies out there who will watch everything and anything WWE. Oh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. Again, if you want to call in, you certainly can. 646-668-2372. That's 646-668-2372. I didn't mention that at the top of the show because I wanted to get into all this stuff. But let's get away from talking WWE for a bit. And speaking <clears throat> of AEW, they have their second event this weekend. It's called Fighter Fest. I'm curious. I I have a few things to bring up regarding this because I'm curious to see quite a few things with this event. First of all, what I'm curious to see is the matchup between, I want to pull this up right, between Darby Allen and Cody. Because if you remember at Double or Nothing, Cody had probably a match of the year candidate with his brother Dustin. Does anybody really expect him to pull that off again with this guy Darby Allen? Darby's a hardcore legend. He definitely is, you know, of the school of ECW. Um, Don't sleep on how... I think this one here is going to get very bloody and very, very nasty. And the dynamic of it, you know, the clean-cut Cody versus, you know, the down-and-dirty Darby Allen, this is going to be interesting. Now, are yeah, you concerned that whether or not Darby can actually wrestle in the ring? He can. Go, go look him up on YouTube. Uh, believe me, I, I will before Saturday because I, I, I don't know anything about that guy. Yeah. Um, then we'll... Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm... You know, we start off with a hardcore match with Michael Nakazawa and Alex Jabaley. And you know, Jabaley's been training with Kenny Omega. I'm trying to get in shape for this. <laughs> Should have done that I seven w- months ago. <laughs> I wonder if this match, how much baby oil is going to be used? I, is it going to be comical? Is it going to be hardcore? And then you're, you're kind of paired up there with the video games. Hmm. 
Yeah, I can see elements of both. Probably more of a comedy. I'm not sure how Jabali is gonna add. So I, I'm I'm gonna leave that one up in the air. To me, yeah, I, I, I one right now. Up. I would think to win, but uh, I just don't know. I think Jabali gets the win here. I don't know why. I think it's gonna be one of those feel good moments. And I don't think this does anything to Nakazawa because I think he still ha- he will still have time to you know build up his character and everything. But I don't see him this really hurting him. Uh, we talked about Kobe and Dar- okay so quickly then like, if we're going through predictions then Cody and Darby Allen who do you got? I'm gonna go with Darby Allen. Okay. Any specific reason? Nope. Just oh, trusting okay. my gut instinct. Just trusting my gut instinct that this is uh coming out party, so yeah. Probably gonna get the win. I problem is I don't know much about Darby Allen. Obviously I know a lot about Cody, but since this is Darby's first match really with AEW, I see and they've been really building this up. I think even before double or nothing, this is this match was being built up. So somehow something tells me I think Darby Allen gets the win here. I see Cody doing the job. All right, next on here, the Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson take on the Lucha Brothers of Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, and their special guest partner, Laredo Kid. First of all, were you surprised who they picked as their special guest partner? No. No. Laredo Kid is excellent. Wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to lure him AEW, So who do you see this, winning this then? You got you got this leading off the pay per view because I got this as the main event. But what do I know? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kids. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I take that back because there's a big AWX CEO thing here, and this is all Kenny Omega's brainchild. I don't think he's going to lose here. He, he's the man for this event. Yeah, I, I'm going to change my – I'm going to go with the elite. I don't see Omega I'm lose th- here. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going Lucha Brothers for one reason. Aren't they currently the AAA Tag Team Champions right now? Yes, they are. Don't you want to have your champions look good, even if they're not in a championship match? Yeah. I mean, we know what these guys did. We saw these. We saw Matt and Nick Jackson take on you know Phoenix and Pentagon at Double or Nothing. We know what these guys can do. So this match, yeah, give me the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. This one. Now we're getting to the matches that I think are going to be real interesting to watch. Joey Janela takes on the guy formerly known as Dean Ambrose, and that's Mr. John Moxley. I'll go first on this one. I think Moxley gets the win and a decisive win because they have just been – this guy is probably the most over guy right now outside of the WWE, and he hasn't even had a match yet where people – it's not – yes, he's had matches on, like, small independent shows, but nothing to the extent that we'll see on Friday at Fighter Fest. But who do you have winning? Oh, John Moxley. If you, if you want to keep him red hot, you want to build him up to – you know, possibly challenge a future champion, 
be AEW champion or, or for him to become, book him to win. He needs to win. Win, win, win all the way. Keep him red hot. So I, that's what I would do with John. This next match, I think, will be the match of the night and could also be your main event. Will be a fatal four-way between Adam Page, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, and MJF. Right off the bat, I think the way this match will will play out. First of all, I don't think MJF gets the, gets pinned here because I don't think he gets the win. I think Page gets the win to to help him sustain credibility going into his match with Jericho at All Out. I think if anything happens, I see. I see Adam Page pinning either Havoc or Jungle Boy in this match. Cruz, what about you? It's very interesting because uh, four different entities. I just, why do I want to say that I got MJF winning here? I just I have a funny feeling that he's going to sneak a win, cheating somehow, not pinning Hangman Page, but possibly Jungle Boy or, or Havoc, because any one of them can even pin. I got MJF. Okay. That's what my says. Let me ask you this then. If, let's say, MJF wins uh, on Saturday, could you see a scenario play out that we see on either the road to uh, Fight for the Fallen, which started today, or being the elite where all of a sudden you see MJF turn around to Cody and Brandon and go, look, I won the Fatal 4-Way match. At Fight for the Fallen, give me Paige in a one-on-one match, and I want his title shot to be on the line. No, I don't see that happen. You don't think I, so? I don't, see, I don't see him as a big enough star to challenge Chris Jericho for, for that first title, not no way. He's still up and coming. He's red hot. He's got a rocket for sure. He's not on the elite level yet. And Hangman, although probably the least lighter, you know, maybe the the, the runs of the group of the elite, uh, yeah, is still a member of the elite and over, over, over. I don't see that. I don't see that main event being affected in any way. It's going to be something that we should, you know, be on the lookout for. All right, next match on here. One half, or I guess you can say one quarter of SCU, Christopher Daniels, has, I think, his first singles match in quite a number of years as he takes on the leader of Strong Style, Shima. I got to go with this one. I think Shima gets the win here. This is good. Like I said before, this is Christopher Daniels' first singles match in a number of years. It'll be interesting to see how how he's able to transition out of being in the tag team with, you know, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky there. So, yeah, give me Shima in this one. Bruce, what do you have? Oh, I also have Shima. He's just excellent in the ring. I mean, both these guys are excellent, but for the level of this show, this particular matchup here, I get the edge to Shima. I think he would need to win more than Christopher Daniels. Yeah, I, I because realistically, I mean, Christopher Daniels has built enough of a career where a little a loss to Chima at Fighter Fest, I don't think it's going to hurt him. 
in the least bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's keep it mm-hmm. moving. Y- Yuka Zazaki takes on Ryu, who takes on Nyla Rose in a triple threat match. And when this match was announced, Brandy Rhodes specified that this will be a triple threat match, and we won't see what happened at Double or Nothing when the triple threat match turned into a fatal four-way. So, Cruz, who do you have winning this one? You know, I, oh, man. You go first. I go for, Okay. Um, looking at this one, I mean, Yuka and Rio did a good job in their, in their six-woman tag match at Double or Nothing. Nyla, I felt, was kind of on the outskirts of her, of her fatal four-way. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say uh, Rihu, or I guess that's how you pronounce her name, gets the win here. Because I, I think the eight, I think Cody, Brandy, and all that, I think they're very high on these girls. And be interesting to see how it plays out. But who do you have? Well, I'm going to go with Nyla Rose because <laughs> this makes. Uh, isn't this Gay Pride Month? Yeah. Or, or like. Um, Lesbian, gay, bi, and transsexual month, Pride Month. Yeah. Isla mm-hmm. Rose definitely of that community. I would think that giving her the win for in this month <laughs> under those in in this phase and format, excuse me, not form platform, um, makes sense to me, and it, it gives her a boost. Um, that's where I'm gonna go with Nyla Rose. Interesting. Plus, now he's, he's like a giant compared to the other two. Yeah. This next, well, quickly on Nyla Rose, what I can see them doing with her is a better version of what the WWE had with Tamina and uh, Naya, and have her team up with Awesome Kong. I could see that happening yeah. down the road. I can definitely see that. Again, I'm not I'm not singling out because you know they're the two biggest women on the roster. I'm just saying you put them two in a ring together as a tag team, it's gonna be a little tough to defeat them. But we got two more matches on here, and for some reason, according to my notes, these two matches will be taking place on the pre-show, which is news to me. I did not know these two matches were on the pre-show, but in a in a triple threat tag team match. Now, I have to explain the rules in this a little bit. The winners advance to All Out for an opportunity at a first-round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. That's going to be happening once AEW turns over to TV come October. The three teams in this match include best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, SCU, Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, and making their AEW pre, uh, you know, debut and former wrestlers of House of Glory here in New York, Private Party. So, Cruz, who gets the win in this match to advance to All Out for an opportunity at a first round bye? I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the best friend. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I think they're gonna pull it out. This match, because I I still think somehow something tells me I think SCU 
is going to become one of the major forces when it comes to this tag team division. I think private party, I think they still need time to kind of build themselves up because they didn't, they, I know both of them were in the casino battle Royal, the, you know, the pre-show thing at double or nothing. So yeah, I think I kind of agree with you on this one. I think best friends get the win here in a surprise move. I, I, I think, cause I think these, I think Beretta and and Chuck Taylor in my, in, you know, in my opinion, are coming are coming into this match almost like the underdogs, because you got to realize everybody's I, the favorites in this match, and I don't think they've come out with it like they do with WWE, but I would think the favorites in this match would have to be Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Interesting. So I think, okay. and of course, I I think Cruz, I think you know where where. My pick is for this one because the last match we have on here, we'll see, uh, you know, formerly, you know, Blue Pants there. What's her name? Leva or Leva? How do you pronounce her name? Leva. Leva Bates with Peter Avalon. I think they were trying to call themselves the librarians. Takes on Smiley Kylie, Kylie Ray. Cruz, I think you kind of (laughs) have one pick for this one. (laughs) I think we're going to agree. I think we're going to, both going to go with Kylie Ray. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't think we really had to, you know, explain that one because you know, listen to the show last week, you know exactly why you, you know exactly why I picked her. Yeah, that's right. That's why uh, Jeremy told her that you were in love with her. <laughs> I, I thought you no, know, I thought he was doing that this weekend. <laughs> or oh, he's doing it this week. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing it this. Yeah, don't don't. But you know what's funny? As I said, I said in the group thing, I don't really care. To me, I'm not doing it to be a creep at all. So, to me, not even taking that, that way. Not, no, I'm not even taking that way. It's just you know, ribbing and having fun. Yeah, I, I know. Not Believe me. Confused. Believe me. I'm looking. Creepy I'm looking forward. Fucking, fucking assholes in my group posting pictures of married wrestling women. Like, dude, didn't you grow up with values or anything like that? I mean, you're gawking over fucking married women. Jackasses. And hold on, I want to see something quickly here. I just want to see... Wow, she's only a year older than me. (laughs) Oh, she can't can't cradle rob you, man. (laughs) I'm looking right now. She was born uh, August... What is it? August 25th, 1992. So she's really only a couple months older than me because I was born, you know, the end of March of 93. So, I hear you. I hear you. But, no, but, I mean, Fagger Fest to me looks like to be a very good show. I, I think it's going to have to take a lot for it to, you know, be on the same level as a double or nothing, but we'll see what happens. Let's keep the mo- Let's keep the show going. As we have another pay per view to talk about this weekend, it just okay. seems like it gets better and better. Yeah, yeah. We we Best have no. We're not, I want people to remember one thing here: we are not talking about Shane McMahon or CM Punk or CM Punk here. I just and I even put that in the outline, Cruz. I put that in the outline. I, I wrote here. I'll read exactly what I wrote. I said, in addition, they will pre- they will preview and get you ready for best in the world in parentheses, not Shane McMahon. But this one, I'm 
this one's going to be interesting. Thing. I think this one's going to take us a little bit longer to go through. But for this one, unlike the first one where I started from the from the top and went to the bottom, this one I'm going to start from the bottom and go up to the top. First match we have on here, Jay Lethal takes on Kenny King in a singles match. Who do you see when I got Jay Lethal. I got Jay Lethal. Lethal. Lethal can wrestle circles around Kenny King. Yeah, but I think they're doing something with Kenny King because I know that I know him and Jay Lethal were in the best of three match. The, yeah, the best, mm-hmm. you know, the, and I think they have some plans for Kenny King. So something tells me Kenny King gets the win here because, like I said when we we're talking about Fighter Fest, Jay Lethal to me is somebody who has built up enough credibility over the years. A loss here isn't going to hurt him. I still, he still to me would be put in the title picture without. You know, without even thinking about it. Next match on here, we'll see the Allure, Angelina Love and Mandy Leone take on the team of Kelly Klein and Jenny Rose. Will we actually see a match here, or will this be like we saw on Ring of Honor TV two weeks ago when Kelly Klein and Jenny Rose got attacked from from behind by, you know, Angelina Love and Mandy Leone? I think you're going to get a match. I think you're going to get a pretty good, decent tag team match here. This is Ring of Honor. It's all about them. I, for some reason, I see the allure winning here, and, and this story continuing on, continuing on. I, I, agree. I this one's going to be interesting because Kelly Klein is your Women of Honor champion right now. Jetty Rose, to me, I think they just threw in here to make this a tag team match. But I would have to agree. I think the award gets a win here, and somehow whatever the next pay per view is for Ring of Honor, I see Kelly Klein having to put the belt up on the line against Mandy Leon. That's what I'm thinking. They're going with this. But okay. I think because because think about it for a second. Could you see somebody like Velvet Sky or Angelina Love being the face of the Women of Honor wrestling division? Either one of them could easily do it. Yeah, but I think the, the way they bring... They Certainly bring, Mandy they can do it. Yeah, but I think the thing is, I think Mandy's been the one who's been overlooked for so many years. I think this is kind of their way of saying, okay, we're going to have Mandy bring in her little cronies, and I think that's what they're setting up for. So I think eventually this will lead to some sort of turn you know, down the road. Yeah, but I think we still have a way bit of time before we get to that. Next match on here, we have the Briscoes, Jay and Mark Briscoe, taking on formerly the team of Nick Aldis and Colt Cabana. But as we saw on the latest episode of 10 Pounds of Gold, seems like Colt Cabana's injury will keep him out of this match. So who do you – let me put this way. Who do you think is going to be his tag, Nick Aldis' tag team partner – and part two is, who do you think is going to win the match? Mm. Very interesting. Because I got one guy in mind who, thinking about it, I think would make perfect sense, and he he doesn't hold the... Who do you have in mind, then? You, you, I have you Willie run Mack. With this. Willie Mack. Think about it. That would actually make he, sense. Because who, who else? Yeah. Who who else are they gonna put in there? They're not gonna throw in 
you know, really, if you look at anybody else on this card, I mean, there's really nobody else they can legitimately throw into this match. That would make sense. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm even trying to think here. Like, no, Bully Ray wouldn't even work. No, none of the other people I would, I would think would even work in this match. I think it would have to be somebody like a Willie Mack. So regardless of who, I think the Briscoes are going to win. They're just the tag team. They, they are the Ring of Honor tag team, so why not? Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, I think, because I, I think Aldis and whoever the partner is, I think Aldis, I, I feel like I say this with a lot of the guys, Aldis, to me, a loss here isn't going to hurt him. Because it's not like, it's not like we're going to get a, a match down the road where, you know, Jay Briscoe's going to challenge Nick Aldis, especially not when the Briscoes are currently in a feud with the entire NWA, as we saw at the Crockett Cup. But this next one, I think, is going to be interesting because we will see Villain Enterprises, Marty Skrull, PCO, and Brody King put on the line their uh, Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Championship against the team of Lifeblood, which will be Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams, and formerly Justin Gabriel of the WWE, and that's Mr. P.J. Black. I think with this one, I think Villain Enterprises retained here just for the fact that when they brought in PCO and Brody King, they pretty much shot these guys right to the top. And I think to take them out of the – to take the belts off of them now – I think you'd be foolish. What I, my curiosity with this match, if anything, is because they've been teased in the last couple of weeks that they're going to introduce a fourth person into Villain Enterprises. I'm curious if we get that on Friday at Best in the World. Interesting. Interesting. I, I remember you mentioning a possible fourth member. This. this it's going to be an interesting little pay-per-view here with this match right here. I personally am going to go the opposite of what you're going. I'm going to go with Mark Haskins, Tracy Williams, and PJ Black. I, for some reason, I think something's in the game, and maybe their win leads to what you were discussing in your theory about who replaces Marty. But that's where I'm going. I think this starts there. The next match so- is... Hold on, so you think that somehow I said Lifeblood is going to win. But that you think somehow PCO or Brody King kind of turn on Marty? No, I did not say that. I said that this, them losing the title will start, will be the beginning of the storyline that you suggested where someone replaces Marty's girl. Oh, okay. We all, all right, know. Kind of, okay. Oh yeah, we all know he's he's going to be AEW bound. It's a matter of when. But let's keep it moving. For WWE. For NXT. No. 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 According it's to a matter of, idiot after. Matter of time before he's Ready? in AEW. Let's get to this one. This one I'm curious to see how what your thoughts on this match. Dalton Castle takes on Roosh's younger brother or or his brother. That's Mr. Dragon Lee. So who do you see winning this one? 
I'm gonna think. I'm gonna surprise. I'm, I think Dalton Castle is gonna win this one. Really? Yeah, I think for some reason the guy used to be red hot. He was he was a champion at one point. Lost something ever since he lost the. Uh, I, I don't know the, the guys, right? The boys. Yeah. And. Uh, I mean, he needs something to rekindle, and I think this match could be it. I'm going with Dalton Castle. Well, let me ask you this one. Do you think this one, being how he did lose to Roosh in, like, a couple of seconds at the Garden, do you see this match basically being Castle's way of saying, look, I'm going to take my revenge out. I'm going to take it out on your brother? Do you see that's the story that they end up uh, showing Friday night? They could definitely play it off that way. Yeah, sure. I could see that happening. I got to agree with you. I think Castle gets the win here, and I think the reason for it is kind of what you touched on. The guy was one of your top stars. He cooled off after he after he lost the Ring of Honor belt. He had the heel turn after he lost to Bruce at the Garden. I think this kind of furthers his heel turn. But this next match, it sucks that this next match is on the freaking pre-show. Because this match, to me, could be the match of the night. Or let me rephrase that. One of the matches of the night. As Flip Gordon takes on the aforementioned Roosh. I mean, this one can go either way, but uh, Cruz, who do you see winning this? I'm going to go with Roosh because I just think that this this has the potential of going, I, I would hope it has a long long rivalry, several matches between these two because they can bring down the house. Predicting match of the night right there. And I'm going to go with Roosh. Experience and continued storyline, my reason. What do you got? Uh, this, this one's... I feel like both of these guys are sort of in the main event of Ring of Honor, but not really. But I think when it's all said and done... Roosh gets the win here because I think I think Ring of Honor has big plans for him. Go, you know, yeah. going into the rest of this year, I think they have some big plans, and I think it may involve, uh, you know, a possible title down the road. Will it be the Ring of Honor title? Will it be the TV title? I think time will tell as far as that goes. But I think, depending on how my predictions go, it could be happening sooner rather than later. But let's get now to the next match. Silas Young takes on Jonathan Gresham in a pure rules match. So basically the gist I got from this match is this is going to be a real technical wrestling-based match from what I read up on the whole thing of it. But who do you see winning this? Doesn't Silas Young have the edge and experience? So I'm going to go with the experience. Yeah... Yeah, I would have to agree because I think with a guy like Jonathan Gresham, you can keep him floating around where he is somebody who can work both the mid-card and work the, the lower main event. I don't for I don't forever see him taking like a Jay Lethal or Matt Taven or, or Jeff Cobb position. But yeah, I can see Silas Young winning this. But boy, next match is going to be interesting. Shane Taylor, fresh off of his 
fresh off of his World Television Championship win at War of the Worlds in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, will be taking on Mr. Bandito for the, the belt. So, Cruz, who do you have winning this? For some reason, I see Shane Taylor winning. I, I just think it's just too early in the title run for him to lose. If he did, he was going to lose. I'm trying to think of a better person than Bandito, but I, I'm going to go with Shane off of common sense. And I'm just going to leave that there. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say Bandito gets the win because I think it came really out of left field that also Shane Taylor was able to, to win the TV mat, the TV title off of Cobb at the at their fatal four-way. You remember what I said a couple minutes ago about how I think Roosh could be in line for some sort of title in the aforementioned future? Yeah. I think we see a match down the road, maybe sometime in September or whatever the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view is, if this is the way they go, I can see a match happen where it's Bandito takes on Roosh for the TV title. But I like that. Let's get now to my match. Yeah, my match of the night, the match I've been looking forward to since it was announced, the match that on this show I specifically said that after Matt Taven had gone through PCO and gone through a few guys, that I said the next guy he should go that should go for his belt is Jeff Cobb. And Ryan and I were talking about this I think a couple weeks ago. And we figured it. We we were we were talking about this match like very intensely. And one thing we both made a mention with this match is I don't see a winner coming out of this match. I see some sort of screwy finish that this feud gets extended. Because think about it. Matt Taven is somebody who is one of the the future heels of this company. Jeff Cobb has not been pinned or submitted since he made his Ring of Honor debut in September of last year. You're going to really have Cobb get pinned in this match when you've pretty much given this guy who's, you've given this guy a massive winning streak all of a sudden. I think this match, I see some sort of screwy finish that we get some sort of rematch down the road that eventually I could see somebody like Jeff Cobb becoming your new Ring of Honor world champion. you got to remember that Jeff Cobb is going to have a busy summer with the G1 Climax. So I just 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 by deduction there, you know, I just don't think Ring of Honor is going to put the belt on him when he's going to be wrestling so prominently for New Japan. Uh, so I always had Matt Taven coming out of this pay-per-view with the belt. Um, so I'm giving win to Matt Taven. Could it be a draw? The outcome is still going to be the same as far as who's champion. So that's where I'm going with Matt Taven. I know I know you said draw. Fine, you know, just jot it down for our our little you know competition that we have with these pay-per-views. But uh, I'm going to say something here. Ring of Honor has lost a lot of steam from a year ago versus today. 
And I was really thinking about this. And they're the victim. They're a victim of AEW. AEW has really taken up a lot of space at the number two promotion. And it has hurt Ring of Honor. But Ring of Honor themselves didn't do themselves no favor by not putting that belt, their main belt, on Marty Skrull. I would have done it in Madison Square Garden, but I don't know if you disagree. Um, so they're still building up stars and stuff like that. And, and you know, like our friend Jeremy said last week, uh, the owner of Ring of Honor, is, is, he's just not throwing. He's not going to put you know tens of millions of dollars into this. So it's always going to be small scale. To me, the fan base and the buzz was there leading up to New York City, but it, it certainly has lost steam since. And I, I've got to say that, honestly, it falls on the champions and it falls on the promotion itself. But overall, it, it's just Matt Taven is not setting the world on fire. Let me just put it that way. So I, I disagree with his title run. I, I think this was a big mistake. And once Marty is gone, they're really going to feel it because now he's lost a major, major player. And quite frankly, not everyone else here is going to fill those shoes. Yeah, you can build up Rush. You better hope to God that Jeff Cobb stays there, although everybody else is going to try to pull him. Or you need to really do something with Matt Taven to, you know, Send him into send him into the stratosphere as far as status, but that's what I got to say about Ring of Honor. They need to do something. Well, let me let me ask you this one: Do you think that can start with this weekend with Best in the World, where you have guys I, I like Rouge and Dragon Lee, the guys who could be the future of this company? I, I believe so. I, I think so. And Flip Gordon, guys like that, uh, certainly. That's why I keep the lifeblood because I think they're the future. And, and we just got to, they, they've got to do something to regain that buzz that they had uh, when the elite was with them. Because they certainly went down several levels. And I do think that, you know, AEW has taken up so much of that uh, attention that there's only so much attention that the IWC is going to give out, right? But AEW is taking up so much. The WWE still controls a large chunk. Uh, New Japan is doing things that are above and beyond. NXT is the number one wrestling promotion. Well, I guess the wrestling show uh, in the world. So, uh, to me, I, I just think Marty Squirrel, he is your most over, most popular, most selling, most most, most. He should have been the champion. If you didn't go that route, no. <clears throat> I, I think some realignment, reassessment and realignment needs to be done with the Ring of Honor, and they need to do it now. They need to start uh, now. I, I don't okay. disagree with you. I no, no, no you're, you're, believe me. We, we, we have ah. enough time you're allowed to. I think the thing with, with the whole thing with not putting about the Marty I was sort of surprised by that. I really figured coming out of the garden, I really figured because of the fact that, you know, everybody had left Marty, I really figured that belt that this was going to be his time. I was surprised when Taven ended up winning this. 
I think it's still I think it's still too early to tell if this if he was the right guy. But like like you said, and I and I think it's a valid point. When Marty leaves, then we'll see what truly uh, Ring of Honor can do. But I want to get quickly now into some impact because in addition to talking about Best in the World and Fighter Fest and the G1 Climax, we have another pay-per-view coming up next week. And Cruz, you will actually be in Dallas for this one, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Front row. I'll be there in I front row, man. I am talking about Slammiversary. And the card so far is getting built, and we're not going to do our predictions now. We'll do them next week. But just quickly want to go over the matches that we have now. For the Impact World Championship, obviously we knew this one was happening. Brian Cage takes on Michael Elegant. For the Impact X Division Champion, I think this could be one of the best matches of the night. Rich Swan takes on Johnny Impact. Moose takes on Rob Van Dam in a singles match. In a four-way Monsters Ball match for the Impact Knockout Championship, Taya Valkyrie puts on her puts her belt on the line against Rosemary, Sue Young, and Jessica Havoc. And for the tag team titles, LAX, Ortiz, and Santana take on the Rascals. And supposedly I heard through the grapevine that the other match that's going to be added is going to be an intergender match between Callahan and Tessa Blanchard. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know if you if you heard uh, who was it? Chris Van Vliet, who will actually be on the show, which actually I'll get to that towards the end of the show. Did you hear Chris Van Vliet's most recent interview he did with Eli Drake? No, no. They were talking about, because obviously people don't know, Eli Drake got fired from Impact Wrestling basically for a match an intergender match he was supposed to have with Tessa Blanchard. I want to not go into this too long, but Cruz, what are your thoughts on the whole intergender wrestling? Do you are you a fan of it? Not a fan of it? What are your thoughts? I'm a fan of it. I'm a, I, I this this is all performance based, not not competition based to me. So if it's executed fine, if it's executed well, uh, if if the story sort of somehow fits. Um, and there's the allure, or uh, is allure the, the right word, or get the impression of some sort of athletic competition and fairness in that regard. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm fine. You know, to me, again, this is not the MMA. This is not boxing. This is not the NFL. This is not college football. This isn't, you know. Strongman competitions or all that bullshit. So I, I don't, I don't pretend like it is, you know. So oh my god, a, a guy fighting a girl, yeah, you're you're, you're performers you're performing with each other for our entertainment. So I'm okay with it. It's good. Fine. Uh, Tessa uh, versus Sammy. <laughs> just, just, this is Sammy's uh, hardcore edge. Tessa, she's tough as nails. <laughs> she, is she that tough? Heck, run with it. We'll find out. Because she's been doing so good. You know, I'm so, so a fan of hers, you know. Uh, what can I say? Yeah, no, I'm, as far as my thoughts on it, Cruz, I think you kind of touched on it. If it's done the right way, 
that I don't have a problem with, with the whole intergender wrestling. It's when it's not done the right way that I sort of have a problem with it. But as far as Callahan and... What was it? It is cringe. It is because I've seen some matches that went the extreme opposite end, opposite way, where it wasn't competitive, where the guy was dominating the woman and beating her down and kicking her. And I couldn't help but think, man, this this looks like domestic violence more and more than a wrestling match. Yeah, that's the one one thing I, I was thinking of. Yeah. So I, and we're not unique in that sense. So. No, no. As long as it's done right. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's yeah. the big thing we want. Is we want the fans to take from this, is we, if it's done the right way, and you have two people in the ring who can tell a good story, then I'm all for it. But it's when you start getting to it being hokey and very cringeworthy, it kind of gets uncomfortable, for a bit. But uh, let's jump quickly now. I'm going to go back to WWE for a second. Not talking about the main roster. Talk about NXT tonight. And I want to talk, I want to start off quickly because we do have about 15 minutes left in the show. I want to start off quickly with the main event of the evening, and that was Euro Shirai taking on Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship inside a steel cage. I. To me, this match, I mean, what, what, I mean, there's nothing you can say about this match. I think what this match will be remembered for, if anything, is the ending. Is also now, we have a heel in Eero Shirai. And, because yeah. like we saw in the match, Candice LeRae came in to help Eero, to help you know, Eero Shirai, and then Eero kind of went berserk on Candace. And I think, I don't foresee it happening in Toronto just because, obviously, if you read the spoilers, you kind of know the matches that are set for Toronto. But I think heading towards, or not even that, I think when they do their next set of tapings, which will be after Toronto, I think somehow we get a Candice LeRae, Eero Shirai match where I wouldn't be surprised if number one contendership is even on the line. Well, not really because Eero, you know, EO is a heel, so I don't think it would really work. But I could see it somehow them using EO and Candace to kind of help Candace get to Shayna. But what are your thoughts on on the main event tonight? You know, they're doing an excellent job of extending the storyline in in ways that just adds chapters that are progressively more interesting. And this little turn now, <laughs> kind of unexpected, welcomed. I, I, I was surprised. I was enjoying that match before I got on with you. Uh, you know, NXT's creative process, man. Their, their, their long-term writing is just on point. Yeah. I know that it's kind of hard to swallow that they're under the WWE umbrella. But they are. Yeah, that, and that, that's, they, that's they the are part. number one. But that, that's the funny part of the whole thing. It's just, it's, well, it's one of those things that you kind of like, man, they, they are so good. And then they get better. You know, so why can't their, their, their older brothers get better? You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but I digress, man. NXT is on point. 
Yeah, and he, Lee looked it's, it's a, nice. Oh yeah, he did. He took on um some up and comer guy, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And he um well, I'm surprised with him that they still haven't given him any sort of push yet. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, it's it's coming. And I'm gonna say right now, him, him and Matt Riddle, him and Matt Riddle have been in the ring many times, and they can put on a damn good show. And it, it, that'll be in the future in NXT and probably a, a takeover. And when it happens, mark my words, you are gonna be amazed at what both of these men can do, so kudos. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, have, I, have yeah, I think it's going to take anything. time. Yeah. It will definitely take time. I think that's one of the, but believe me, you look at somebody like Keith Lee, I just want to talk about this for a second. Keith Lee, to me, is somebody, especially with his character and his entrance music, I mean, could you see a scenario play out where all of a sudden Keith Lee turns heel? It's not outside so, of the world of possibility, right? It, it's just that he's such it. a... His, his gimmick... You know, he is arrogant in his gimmick. He has played a heel in the indie and evolved, actually. That's, since Matt Riddle had the evolved belt for a minute there, and Keith Lee took it, and this was way before Austin Theory ever got his hands on it. So, yeah, yeah, I could see it happening. I've seen it before, and it's really good when it happens. Because <laughs> he's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> when he's acting like a beast, he's scary. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, anyway, I mean if, you, if you listen to his, his entrance music, and it's, you know, this whole limitless thing, and it's like, geez, it writes itself. I'm actually trying something now. I'm giving this a trial run for the last 10 minutes of the show. That... <clears throat> Because of the fact, Cruz, that I'm using the mic that you gave me, which sounds a hell of a lot better, in my opinion, I'm trying now to give the show a new element. And the element that I'm giving it, uh, well, that's what I'm going to get to in a second, is to go Facebook Live. I'm trying for the last 10 minutes of the show to see how it comes out. And And if we get decent numbers, then I may push it for this going further because of the fact that I'm not using the phone to for the show, so to speak. If you get what I'm saying, you know, just to me, hmm. it adds it adds another element to the show. So, what we're going to end up doing eventually down the road, it may even be as far as next week goes, is one of the things I know I want to try to still do is I want to still create a, a comeback wrestling Facebook page. Have not been able to do that yet. Once I set that up, I think then going Facebook Live from the page would make a hell of a lot more sense. But but right now, I'm trying to do my personal Facebook page, so if you're friends with me and you're listening, let's go to my page right now. You can actually watch me do the show, but you could hear, you can still hear the whole show. So I just want to give a shout-out to a few people who are watching us right now. I uh, want to hear, uh, let's, let me just go through Mitch. Uh, Sherman is watching, you know, the other admin from, uh, the Powerbomb group is watching, and just, you know, a few other people here and there, but thank you guys for, you know, for tuning in, but, Cruz, let's get back to, you know, NXT and, you know, the wonderful world of wrestling. 
But as far as, you know, when it goes with NXT, I'm... I laugh. That you look at a company like NXT that is under the same umbrella of the WWE, yet it's like night and day. I mean, I get excited to watch NXT. I don't remember the last time I was excited to watch Raw or SmackDown. Well, uh, so I, I've got a bit of news for all the listeners and members of the Powerbomb group. You, my personal friends and family members, listen, and this, this is definitively where I stand. Once the NFL season starts up in August, expect that my Monday nights are going to be dominated by Monday night football. I'm not going to be watching Monday night Raw. I, I give a fuck about Monday night Raw. Uh, SmackDown moving. I, I'm interested to see how that goes. If, if my gut instinct is correct, there, there are going to be heavy demands on Ronda Rousey and bigger names being on SmackDown. And it's going to be treated more like a sport. So I'm going to watch that if on Fridays. Well, given how I work, I work so much that, you know, I, I don't have normal weekends like normal people. So, you know, I'm Friday night is a work night for me. I'm not out and about on a date and stuff like that. So I'll watch it for a while. But to be quite honest with you, Mondays, no. Once football kicks up, you can forget it. Uh, and, and that I will share with everyone who, because I'm really going to scale back the WWE stuff. Now, I'm far more, I don't know, I'm excited to shift focus to Wednesdays. Because Wednesdays is where it's at for me with NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live. I'm satisfied right then and there. And then if I have AEW, same day that frees up the rest of the week except for friday so that's my plan moving uh late summer into the fall etc etc um you were going to mention give me your thoughts on what i said and future plans because we have a very busy summer of wrestling, I was going to go over all the events, all the bigger pay-per-views that are coming up in July, since this is the end of June. So, give me your thoughts, and then let's go over some of these pay-per-views. I mean, my thoughts on what you just said, I completely agree with you. It's tough to sit there nowadays and actually watch an entire episode of Raw. Like, I will sit there, try to watch an entire episode of Raw, and usually by, not even by hour number two, the end of hour number two, I'm usually out cold. That's just because I usually work early on Monday mornings, and I'm usually exhausted anyways. I think going further, I think especially come the fall, once you do get AEW on TV, I think me watching Raw is going to really diminish because also a lot of the stuff from Raw, especially the bigger moments, I can get off YouTube. So I can just watch the highlights off YouTube or I can watch the top ten lists that they do on YouTube for Raw, and I can I can know exactly what happened on Raw. I think when it comes to the other stuff, I want to definitely try to get more into NXT UK, especially now with this whole Imperium versus British Strong Style war that's been going on. I definitely want to get more into that. I want to try to get more into 205 Live. I mean, I I mean I'm I get I got you know 
into a lot of Ring of Honor lately. New Japan, I'm still trying to get into just because I, I have the app, but I still haven't figured out yet how to use the damn app yet because it's only Japanese. <laughs> so I, so I have to, I just want to figure out, I got to figure out how to use that. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. Mitch and I, who, you know, he's called into the show from time to time, we were contemplating, Mitch wanted to go see Extreme Rules in two weeks in Philly. I said, you know, you can go have fun, and I have no desire to go. Then we found out that Raw the next night will be on Long Island at the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. But I know Matt Manhattan Mayhem, the Ring of Honor event, I think it's going to be held, or I think it's going to be held a couple of days beforehand, if I'm not mistaken, at the Manhattan Center. I told Mitch, I said, I'd rather go to Ring of Honor than go to a Raw event. Which a year ago, I would never have said that. This was me a year ago, or not even that, two years ago. I even go back. I turn around and go, "Oh, Raw's coming to town. I'm going to get tickets." Now because I know what the what the product has become, I have no desire to to go to a Raw event. The only way you're going to see you're going to see me go to an event for like like yeah, if all of a sudden they have a pay per view at the Coliseum, like it did with you know Evolution. Uh, the end of last year I'll go to a pay-per-view Because those are different Those are special But when it's something like a Raw or a Smackdown I have no desire Like I'm hoping As NXT gets bigger I'm hoping NXT does a couple of shows On, on Long Island I know they do some in, in like southern New Jersey But like Asbury Park And over there But I hope eventually they do some shows on Long Island Because I'd love to go to an NXT show But I think that kind of answers the question a bit. Okay. Well, you know, so coming up in July, we've got at least since eight. I've got eight pay-per-views that I would like to talk about really quick. Uh, mm-hmm. On the sixth, MLW Major League Wrestling has the Kings of the Coliseum against Cicero, Illinois. Uh, the same day in Japan, D1 Climax in Dallas. I will be there. The main event is going to be Okada versus Tanahashi, which is going to bring down the house and, you know, talk about competition. They're, they're most certainly involved. The next night, Impact Wrestling is going to have Slammiversary uh, 6, 17, 17 uh, in Dallas. So I will also be there spending the whole weekend in Dallas. It's going to be fun. I'm probably going to work up to the 5th. Then on the sixth take off, <laughs> you know that's just that's just where I don't know professionally that's you know I'm, I'm needed at work so and I do good I, I have a very good wholesome career. Um, in thirteenth, AEW fight for the fallen, Jacksonville, Florida. The same day, Evolve and WWE will put together the Evolve tenth anniversary celebration out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I talked a little bit about a few matches that I know of. Um, you guys know which one I'm going to be watching. Uh, There's no brainer. I can always catch the other one on the WWE Network if, you know, hypothetically, if I had it. But you, know, you, you can deduce, or you know, you can, you can tell what I'm implying how I'm going to watch it. Uh, the next night, WWE Extreme Rules, which you know should be called Extreme Garbage because or Extreme Repetitive, Repetitive Rules or whatever the fuck. <laughs> the same shit that was in the last fucking 
the last fucking pay-per-view was you know, stomping ground. So practically the same matches. Uh, Ring of Honor has mapped Hysteria on the 21st out of Lowell, Massachusetts. So that should be, I don't know, that's one of those that, you know, there's like a week between WWE, Ring of Honor, and between Ring of Honor and the next match. So that's something that, you know, we might just watch just for fun, just to do something fun, different, et cetera, et cetera. And then July ends with MLW again. Starts with MLW, ends with MLW. Never say never. Queens, New York City, New York. So that's your July pay-per-view. Kings of the Coliseum, G1. Anniversary, Fight for the Fallen, Evolve, 10th, Extreme Rules, Mass Hysteria, Never Seen Ever. Yeah, it's pretty busy. Yeah, uh, just quickly, I just found this out. I was scrolling through um, Facebook quickly, and it was posted in one of the Facebook groups I'm in. Did you know that apparently New Japan is strongly decided on booking John Moxley? Versus Okada for Wrestle Kingdom 14 in 2020. How? How are they going to do this? Is Moxley going to win the G1? Is Okada going to win the G1 and take Moxley? Or... I I, 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 Okada going to lose the belt and route? And then this match is a standalone kind of main event or high up there on the card? I would not be no, against it at all. I would not. I, you know, everything would stop for that match, regardless of when it comes on. Five in the morning, I'm going to be watching it. I'm up at five in the morning anyways. I'm one of those early birds. It's kind of funny how life is, John. It really is kind of funny because 20 years ago, I loved WWF. Today, I can't stand them. And then 20 years ago, I was a night owl. I loved nightlife. I loved going out, drinking, you know, whoring around, you know, sleeping with every skirt that I could get my hands on. And today, I could not imagine myself doing any of that. And I like to get up early, <laughs> start my day early, <laughs> and go to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> but one last thing before we wrap up for tonight, and we're already going into overtime already, but... We have a very, very special guest coming on the show next week because next week will be our first show of July, and I made the announcement last week. I'm going to remake the announcement again. Next week at 9.30 p.m. Eastern will be none other than Mr. Chris Van Vliet will be joining us next Wednesday at 9.30. So I think the way, Cruz, I want to go about doing this is and I'm going to share the post in the Powerbomb group, is I want to get a hashtag, you know, ask, like Ask Chris or Ask CVV or something. I haven't figured out what the hashtag's going to be. So I want to get the fans involved in this one, because this is probably one of our biggest guests we've ever had on the show. Lead the way. So this is going to be... I'm going to set the whole thing up, but this is going to be a very fun show next week. Not saying the show wasn't fun, but next week's going to be really interesting to see. But any final thoughts before we wrap it up for tonight? Well, thank you for letting me vent about Seth Rollins. I, I am totally not a fan anymore of this son of a bitch. And quite frankly, I could care less. 
Uh, I thought I would never say this in my life, but I, I kind of miss Roman Reigns being the Universal Champion, and I definitely miss Brock Lesnar being. I, I would never have imagined myself saying that shit, but here I am today. Uh, no respect for him. Sorry, you know, for his girlfriend that she's got to be in the midst of the, all this bullshit, et cetera, et cetera. Lackluster all around. WWE uninspired, lackluster, just just boring, repetitive, just not not interesting. And you know, I accept you for the bullshit that you are. Uh, I, I'm throwing my money into other promotions at this point in time. Should they get better, or if we're talking NXT, it's a different story. Uh, so I'm certainly grateful for you allowing me to vent. I feel better letting this. I'm gonna let this go because I have no control over Seth Rollins or any of the bullshit in WWE. Thank you for listening, and I appreciate everyone out there in the Powerbomb group and WCC group, et cetera, et cetera. Now, pay attention. We have a Fighter Fest contest, and participation is needed, I guess, because I'm, I'm, if I get over 100 folks participating, I'm going to send it to a Brandy Rose. So, you know, maybe we might get mentioned uh, on their website. So, that's it. Yeah. Um, other than me, I mean, I'm looking forward to Fighter Fest this weekend. I'm looking forward to Best in the World on Friday. Believe me, we'll have all the recap for you guys next week, in addition to Chris Van Vliet being on the show. I mean, I had a rant in me, too, tonight, but I I, I put it on hold because I wanted to let you get your rant out. But basically, the rant I had was the WWE's fascination all of a sudden with doing these two out of three falls matches. They're getting repetitive, and they're getting stupid. But, Cruz, tonight was a fun show. We turned the table to July to the weeks and weeks of pay-per-views, and it's going to be a fun ride, but believe me, we will be there. We'll be, I want people to understand one thing. We will be your number one stop when it comes to talking about the 9,000 pay-per-views that are occurring between now and the beginning of September. But for that being said, it's time for us to sign off for the night. For Cruz, I'm John. Again, tune in next week. Chris Van Vliet will be joining the show at 9.30. Check out the Powerbomb group for the Fighter Fest uh, contest that we are doing. And also, if you have a question for Chris Van Vliet, look out either tonight or probably sometime tomorrow for my post, which will be the hashtag you can use, or you can just comment on that post. I haven't figured out which direction I'm going with yet. If you want to ask him any questions, again, please make them serious questions. We don't want to ask him stupid questions because we hope this will build off into some sort of a working relationship. But, again, for Cruz, I'm John, IWC. You guys can go kiss my ass, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good night.